Microsoft's Bethesda details. From Square Enix presents. Hello and welcome to Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett, back and alongside me, as always, is Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys lucky episode 204. No, 205. Didn't we determine no, it was 203? 203. Yeah, we talked about this. Classic. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, you just had a classic. Uh... You're as prepared as we are. Yep, that's right. Let me just sip some tea real quick. You guys can. Uh fantastic anyway well i'm not gonna bring it up right now i'll bring it up i'm gonna i'm gonna ruin some southerners lives just just because i want to make somebody angry at me right now uh this is unsweet tea that i'm drinking and it is delicious i drink hot tea i was just ruined someone now here's the thing the rest of the country is probably fine even places outside okay yeah he's drinking non-sugared tea there's somebody in texas right now listening to this like that son of a (laughs) put like four cups of sugar in a gallon of tea yeah if you're not making your tea like Kool-Aid in the South, then you're basically, it's not right. And if you don't make Kool-Aid with a lot of sugar, again, you're just not right. I don't like Kool-Aid. I haven't drank Kool-Aid in so long, but I'm, I'd lie if I said I didn't like it. Last time I had it, I still was like, damn, Kool-Aid kind of slaps. I like uh, the grape. I should also back up. I was poor, so I didn't get Kool-Aid for the majority of my life. I got Flavor-Aid, which was the Sable Sounds brand. like a medicine. The it lemonade, kind of the, does. The lemonade Kool-Aid is pretty good. The uh, hidden flavor or whatever, the strawberry kiwi, the strawberry kiwi. is delicious. Yeah, that's, that's good, too. But yeah. this is not a Kool-Aid podcast. This is a PlayStation be. podcast. With your support through Patreon at patreon.com slash <laughs> We could have this new Kool-Aid su- uh, sideshow where we just mix together flavors. It used to be my favorite thing to do. Was Again, because you're poor, you end up getting down to where it's like, oh, we need to make a lot of Kool-Aid, but we only have like one packet of two different flavors. Or it's like you Screw just... Screw it. Put them both in there and see what happens. You know what me and Seth did like where we made like Dr. Do, where you mix Mountain Dew and Dr. Pepper? <laughs> that makes me think of the Drake and Josh thing, where they like pour the drinks together I, I, well, on that, the, Drew and, the Drew and Josh. What was, is that what it was called? That yeah. Episode? No, it was Drew and Jake or something. Yeah, it was very close to that. But uh, let us know in, uh, on Twitter and Discord and comments uh, what, what, what you like mixing together in terms of sodas. Yeah, the, the everybody old, has one. The suicide, as they yeah, call it, too, or the fusion, where it's just a bunch of them together. Which working in the restaurant field was always fun for that because you had endless access to just experiment. But enough about that. We got to start this show off in the tried and true fashion, which is a time honored tradition of Saul. What have you been up to and playing in these two weeks? Uh, just so anyone knows, we weren't here last week because, of course, I had my wisdom teeth removed, and I'm still not 100. percent Talking tires my jaw out very much, so we, there actually is a little bit of an internal goal to keep this episode shorter than usual. But yeah, um, so I replayed Spider Man since they had the Spider Man remastered for PS Five. I replayed that actually last weekend when we were recorded because initially the delayed episode for me for anniversary things on top of his uh, teeth that kind of got screwed over because we both got sick with head colds. So I replayed through Spider-Man Remastered, and I started playing Miles Morales, and that was Tuesday, this last Tuesday, that I played that. And I haven't played that since. Uh, I might have a little bit of fatigue going in, but I do like Miles Morales uh, a lot. It's a lot better to me, just the first impressions, at least, of Spider-Man. Without saying too much, mm-hmm. where can you give a decent hint of where you are? Like two hours into it. Which I know is not, which is, it was like halfway through for some people. And like, sure. It's, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to platinum. Depends on how you're playing it. Yeah. I'm not trying to platinum or anything. So I have a feeling I'm about halfway through. Um, 
the story, which is interesting. It's really good. And the style of this game is a lot better just because it's Miles and it has that the music that complements him, of course, with his swinging style and all that stuff. And his attitude is different than Peter's and it's it's just a change up and it's fun. The the introduction of the bioelectric uh, powers is also really nice in giving someone that breaks up. And I think the refinement of the stealth mechanics is really nice as well. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. And honestly, it's just it's one of those things where it's just it's a fun game, and I'm I'm enjoying it a lot more than the um, than the original. But I had some problems with the original that were kind of fixed after replaying it because I wasn't um, exactly I knew the story beat, so I wasn't trying to get to the point where I knew what was going on in the story as much. So I had a little bit better of a time with it, but the issues that I still had still kind of stand. Uh, other than that, though, I played uh, Pokemon Sword. I've been playing through that for the past two, three, two to three weeks, uh, anyways, kind of just passively. Um, and I downloaded the uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint free trial, and I ran out of free trial time, which was oh, I didn't realize there was a free trial. Yeah, you can play as much of the game as you want. It's just I think it's six hours or seven. It's one of the one of the two. That's smart though, and that game's big enough. I think it supports that pretty well. Yeah, and you know I had a good time. Uh, I wish I had more people to play it with, and I think I would enjoy it a lot more with more people because I am not going to spend sixty dollars on that game as it is now. I'm going to wait until it goes on like a twenty dollars sale or something or less. Um, because it had some cool, interesting things. I liked being able to go around and um, explore and be stealthy and put silencers on my weapons. And it's a really cool mix of like SOCOM and Metal Gear Solid Five. When you said Metal Gear Solid Five earlier, even though I hadn't originally thought that when playing it, as soon as you said it, I was actually like, "That's very apt comparison." Like, it's not exact, but I could see where someone who liked Metal Gear Solid Five's gameplay style would like something like uh, Wildlands or Breakpoint. Yeah, and I, you know, I really enjoyed it. I just, I feel like the story is kind of just a kind of cliche war story. <laughs> so it's just one of those things that, like, I'm not going to buy it for the story. I buy it to play with friends. But uh, Rust is coming to consoles. We're going to find out more about that in the news here in a minute. Uh, and that would be my probably my big next multiplayer. Like, I would advise everybody from Discord to join us because that's a game where you want lots of people to play with. Yeah. Um, and if we can have half the fun with that as we've had with The Forest, that's, I, a, that's a damn good time. <laughs> it's, so in the same way that it is stressful, like The Forest is, it is stressful because of the other players. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is a different kind of stressful, but it is like you got to work together. you got to be smart. you got to go out to certain areas during certain times. you know, you got to be very wary of all your surroundings. It's it's more similar to like that first time that we hopped into the multiplayer version of the forest and we didn't turn off friends only. And yeah. we had this random guy who the like again, we're confused and we thought it was our buddy because their name was exactly the same, basically. No, well what it was yeah, was it was it uh was it that his name was the same or was it his name in the game was his real life name? Wasn't his name Joe? And we're like, what I don't I-? think so. I think it was something along the lines of Komodo and that, and that's what caught us off guard. And we were running around and we were like, is this our buddy? Even though we can't hear him and we're confused. And then he kept trying to attack us. And then we found out that it was just a random person who had match made with us, but it was fun. Yeah. And rust is very much chaotic in terms of that. Like where you have to be aware of all your surroundings. It's very stressful because of other factors in the game. Um, It's just, it's one of those things that is fun because of that. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I liked it on PC a lot, but I am typically not the one to play first-person shooters on PC um, when I have the opportunity to play them on console. If if 
I have friends on either or. Like, I still will play Destiny 2 on PC. That light bloom kind of wrapping around the rock actually looks pretty good. This game is a very pretty game in its own indie way. Yeah. Um, Which I think is also true of The Forest. The Forest looks deceptively better than I think you would expect, given how cheaply it was made. And it's still a fairly budget-friendly game. See, here's my only thing is, we need to start playing this soon, and it means it needs to come soon. Because... Otherwise, it runs the risk of coming out near the Sons of the Forest. And if I'm not, if I'm being honest here, I'm far more interested in Sons of the Forest because oh, yeah. it's a known quantity. I, I'm, I'm, even though I played Rust on PC, I am more interested in Sons of the Forest too. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I think that's it. I, I feel like there might have been something else this week that was new to me, but I don't think so. So, what have you been playing? A bunch. Um, some of it I'm going to cle- keep close to my chest because we're nearing the end of a competition. Oh, no. Um, you and Chris? Yes. And, um, you know, it's just, we're just, I'm not putting it easily out there. So, but I will say some of it. Um, I did play uh, Untitled Goose Game. I was bored, didn't game. really know what to do, and I bought it a long time ago. And I've been trying to kind of save money as much as possible. So I was like, I don't want to try and do the thing where you get bored so you go look for a game to play that you can buy. I thought, no, I'm going to look at games I've bought that I've never gotten around to. So I downloaded that because it looked fun, and I remember how much people raved about it. And uh, spoiler, it's super fun. <laughs> I had a really good time doing it, and the Platinum was really fun. I think it's attainable while also fitting in with the game style without being overly annoying, even though you have to... I guess the interesting thing about it is that you can find different the solutions most of the time are set in stone but you can still find other ways to kind of go about doing the things you want to do um and it was really fun to do that so fun platinum i moved on from that to uh, the last campfire which was if anybody remembers or is curious about what it is it was the other game that hello games has made um in a hot while it was really good i liked the way that the story was told it's one of those things where i find that indie games are often some kind of like metaphor for death or a relationship or you know it's that tends to be their thing even though that's kind of fun so i get it Uh, i'd say the last campfire is very much just a you know a metaphor for dying and the impact of that and that's cool i had a really good time with it uh and it's a it's it doesn't overstay it's welcome it's a fun puzzle game with a lot of different solutions uh, are a different style of puzzles so that you have to change up the way you think for the solutions. And I really appreciate that. And it doesn't stay too long to where they have to reuse mechanics and get boring. They reuse them just enough to where it's like, okay, yeah, it, this feels like all of these mechanics coming together in a great way uh, to finally finalize everything off. And it has a cute story and a really beautiful art style. Uh, from there, I moved on to Maquette, which was the free PS Plus game mm-hmm. where you are essentially, it's just... If you really want to talk about it, it's all size manipulation. That's what the basic idea of the game is. The game's constantly rendering a smaller and larger version of itself outside of your boundaries. So if you look out, you see a bigger version. If you look inward, you see a smaller version of exactly what you're doing. Right. And those things impact each other. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Or I mean, it's it's again, it's free on PS Plus. I'd say download it just be, or add it to your library just because, and then go check it out. If you like puzzle games at all, it's really fun. And like Saul said, it's not a thing where you're trying to play as the world and solve it. You are a character moving around within an environment. Like you don't see yourself. You're more like the like bodiless character. But it's it's really good. I actually thought the story was pretty good. Um, I was a little I shouldn't say I was, I was surprised. It's an Annapurna game, and everybody knows Annapurna's big in film anyway. So if you kind of move that into what the gaming sphere is, they did a really good job. Uh, I'm not going to say like it's perfect, but I enjoyed it, and the gameplay itself was fun. 
um, Rude Cold had also played it, and um, I think also Cypher Primus. And it was funny. They were talking about one of the things about it was kind of interesting. They actually didn't use as many... You have ruined this. <laughs> I hate you. Anyway, um, they didn't reuse as many of the mechanics ideas as I would have thought. So while it's still really good and I thought it was cool how they did it, it's one of those things where in an attempt to try and keep it fresh, they didn't reuse ideas in a way that felt like, oh, this is just the game kind of coalescing together in a great final thing. But it still worked, and I it, I don't think it necessarily overstayed its welcome. Running for platinum on that is annoying, and I would suggest... I don't know. It's weird. It's speed run in a game where you can't sprint. And I, there's, I, I absolutely always hate that. Like speed run and untitled goose game. You can run as the goose. So it makes sense to speed run those things, but it was okay. I mean, I still it ultimately had a good time with it. Played a that's bunch good. of other stuff. Been playing my Vita. So that's been fun. Not just a ton, but I mean, I played some game on it. Uh, I did play a game that Saul, you've played before, and I did it because, again, I hit this thing of, I don't really know what I want to play right now. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And I stopped and thought, I could play FIFA some more, or I could play Godfall, but I was like, ah, it's, I don't know. It's, I don't feel like doing either of those. FIFA's story being broken, like the, the, the career mode being just broken, really stopped me from wanting to play it. I was playing it a bunch, and then I just quit. But the um, Day of the Tentacle... Remastered. Yeah, that's a good one. Dude, I, because I've never really played that style of game, like I know it exists and I've seen people play it, but I've never done it. That game is really fun. It is, and honestly, you could do what I did and follow the guide for the Platinum because you can get the Platinum as you play the game. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I played that game back in, like, what was it, 2000 that it came out or 2001 or two? Yeah, I, say, I know you originally played it on PC. It's a really fun game. It has a really good, charming sense of humor. That I think is yeah, is very much the mark of um, I can't think of his name now. Tim Schafer. Tim Schafer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much in his own genre of comedy. And I think that if you like any of his games, that you will like a, like that game, especially because like what does that game cost now? Like a like five. It was free for PS Plus a long while back. Yeah, so a lot that. of people already have it. Yeah, but it's pretty cheap. Um, it can't be that expensive. Um, because I don't think it was that expensive when it came out. I think it was ten dollars. You know my favorite thing about it, and I guess it's something I'm gonna. I'm actually going to do this and try and go off of some other adventure games. I'm gonna give myself a little bit of a break uh, from another one. I don't know how long, but I really appreciate the out of the box puzzle solving that has to come with that. Because mm-hmm. like a real short thing in the game, I mean, it's not going to spoil much, but you have three characters, and the three characters exist in three different timelines. But due to something within the game, you can send items between the characters. And that means that you can pick up things from like the the 1800s, uh, 1700s. You can send them to present time, or you can pick up things in the present and send them to the future, which is like you know robots. So I don't know. What, I assume it's like a, at least a hundred years later. And how much it makes you have to kind of think out of the box as to what you would need to do to be able to solve the problems is. Really fun, and surprisingly, once you kind of get to grips with the move a cursor and hit X to go where you're going to go, it's not that bad. Like, I thought I was going to hate that aspect of it, but it wasn't that bad. Yeah, it's uh, like on console, I was kind of, I, I like the game anyways, because I hold, like, from my experience with it, my history with it, and I was kind of curious how that would control. Yeah, and, and it, was it wasn't good. bad. Yeah. yeah. It's out for delivery, Andrew. And it was out for delivery like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> 
So it might be here in a minute. <laughs> pizza's here, folks. Or pizza's coming. Uh, I don't know. If you if you just want to go chill out there, I guess, and keep an eye out. Uh, You're that, getting some behind-the-scenes triangle squared right now. Yeah, we ordered pizza. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, you could just you bring it all back in here and you just put it on the table in there if you wanted it, right? So, yeah, dogs don't get to it. If any pizza companies want to sponsor yeah. this podcast, I'm, I'm joking. Hey, we'll move on to the, the community's take. But speaking of sponsors... Speaking of sponsors, this episode is brought to you by Sheriff Nor Wallington. Uh, just remember that if you want to help keep the sea, the, the Wild West, the streets, whatever it is, free of crime... You can donate to Sheriff Nar Wallington by going to patreon.com slash nartech and giving as little as a dollar per month. You get some good perks with it. Not only do you keep the streets clean, you also get early access to episodes of Spoiler Chats or Midweek Matinee, as well as custom cases, which are coming up for me to be able to run out and do again. So get ready for that and uh, some other stuff. So, yeah, this episode is brought to you by our in-house little buddy right here. Yes, he's in the perfect position for where he should be. I hate you. He's perfect. I anybody who's watching this knows what's going on. No, he's like he's in the center of the window. No, he's not. He's almost in the center of the window. I hate you. And he, the depth of field from him and the camera was also. Oh, another thing. I guess I I, I could bring this up too. Uh, I I have been thinking about going back into photography and like looking at cameras and stuff. So I haven't. That's another reason I really played games this week is I've been looking at like mirrorless versus DSLR and. Uh, the perks of both and like what you should get what's a new good beginner set this day and age and lenses so if anybody who listens likes photography and stuff like that hit me up let me know something because i'm thinking it's just i'm just gonna go with the classic rebel uh canon rebel but i'm not sure cost of performance is really good on rebel yeah the cost of performance is really but mirrorless are also really good mirrorless are really good but they are like base starting 600 exactly immediate investments more yeah which honestly if 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 you know, I get back into it hardcore and I make up a portfolio and I could do like stuff like that. It'd be worth it. But there's no telling with me. I saw cool. You're going to direct our next music video so you can get some experience in there. I could do that. I've always <laughs> had thoughts for stuff like that. That could work. I mean, if you really want to, I, that was more of a joke. But if you really want to, you're more than welcome. It would be a lot easier knowing I don't have to do two jobs at once at all times. Yeah. And I, I know, I know print, like easy principle photography, like, framing of shots mm-hmm. and you know th- what you would use for stuff like you know like if y'all wanted promo shots done and you know you go outside you know you should know immediately based on the lighting and everything on what you you want your iso to be set to and yeah your and, exposure triangle basically yeah, what and, do you want to do yeah and stuff like your aperture for your depth of field and stuff like that so i know I, it's been a long time since i've done photography but none of that stuff has changed that's always going to be a given that's all the key stuff true as uh, time goes on but we'll hop into the community's take where this week we asked you guys, what did y'all think about the Bethesda news? Microsoft acquired uh, Zenimax and Bethesda is obviously not complete, as you guys may or may not have seen the Bethesda Microsoft keynote that they did. And uh, before we do this, real quick, I this is going to be weird. Smack you around. I know, but this is going to be weird. I think that there's this is a weird situation where one piece of news should just go ahead and go. Then we should talk about the community state because they're kind of intertwined. You know what I mean? But you're breaking up the monotony. Well, yeah, I guess the monotony. The monotony. <laughs> 
real quick. My chicken fangies. Of course, as he says, the, the Bethesda acquisition by Microsoft has gone through. With Microsoft adding a large number of Bethesda titles to Game Pass as the first action of welcoming them into the fold. Uh, as such, Phil Spencer finally did offer some clarification, as a lot of people have been hoping for for a long time, to the exclusivity of their catalog of games with a still somewhat vague comment, but with some degree of confirmation that there is clear intentions to build Xbox's exclusive portfolio on devices that have Game Pass. So the full quote, because I do think it's important, it's really hard to break this up any other way, is, quote, I'm going to try and be as clear as I can because I just think it's fair. Obviously, I can't sit here and say every Bethesda game is an Xbox exclusive because we know that's not true. There's contractual obligations that we're going to see through. We have games that exist on other platforms, and we're going to go and support those games on the platforms they're on. There's communities of players. We love those communities and will continue to invest in them. And even in the future, there might be either contractual things or legacy on different platforms that we'll go do. But if you're an Xbox customer, the thing I want you to know is that this is about delivering great exclusive games for you to ship the plat- <laughs> for you to ship on platforms where Game Pass exists. And that's our goal. That's why we're doing this. That's the root of this partnership that we're building and the creative capability we'll be able to bring. I'm sorry. This is a long quote, too, but it is important. It so is. I'm going to go back. And there's a lot of background going on here very unexpectedly. And that's our goal. That's why we're doing this. That's the root of this partnership that we're building. And the creative capability we'll be able to bring to market for Xbox customers is going to be the best it's ever been for Xbox after we're done here. That's a big old... Uh, it's a lot. but a lot to take in. The reason that I even say that entire thing is because it actually has a big impact on the question at hand. Because, like I said, there's a level of vagueness to this that... We'll get more into as we go through the answers from the community's take, but do you feel this impacts you at all? Is basically yeah. where it comes down to. Uh, how do you look at Phil Spencer's remarks that imply exclusivity to some degree uh, to devices with Game Pass, and how does that even affect it? So, Saul, you want to go ahead and grab one? Yeah, our good buddy, longtime buddy on uh, Twitter, No Fate. He, uh, he goes on and says that he liked Doom and Wolfenstein, and that's about it. But even then, I, he hadn't played the latest titles. So he's a fan of the series, but he's not up to date on them. And um, he may or not, may not be affected by this. I honestly think that Doom and Wolfenstein would be the ones that would go onto the other consoles. I mean, what would be the ones that would be exclusive to Games Pass. Oh, but, yeah. No, I agree with you. I, I think that those two franchises make enough sense to uh, move internally. And you're keeping Doom on PC that way, which is... The biggest concern yeah, for a lot biggest, of players. Yeah, the biggest spot for Doom uh, that normally plays on. Um, another one, we have Dennis, a.k.a. Kevin Baconbit. He says, Fallout and Elder Scrolls are some of my favorite franchises, so it just means I'll be buying an Xbox sometime down the road. No biggie to me, really, since I plan to get one eventually. Anyways, it's kind of my thought process is that I love Fallout and I love Elder Scrolls. So I agree with, I agree with you, Dennis. Um, I will eventually get one. I'm kind of curious to see where they go with um, where Games Pass will be available, though. If Games Pass ever does make it to PlayStation, which I won't for I can't I won't say will never happen, but I it's very hard to rule out at this point. Uh, I think it, it, the thing is a timing issue for me. I think yeah. that it, I think that Xbox's goal is to have that happen. Yeah, it, it, if their actual goal is to really primarily go towards being a subscription service, your goal is to get on everything you want. Now, how quickly it's it makes sense to do that because of the fact they have obligations to the fact that they've built a console that they clearly want to sell. 
in a bunch of other things and the fact that Sony may not be in the position that they necessarily want to be like, hey, come on and bring your thing here because again, we, we saw Sony not want to do EA play for a long time or whatever it's called now, uh, where it was EA essentially, you pay us so much money and can play all of our games. Um, with all of that coming into play, I just think it's more of a timing thing. How quickly do we see Game Pass on a PlayStation? I'd say in the long run, by the end of this gen, their goal would be to try and be on PlayStation because that makes the most sense for them to make money yeah. from a subscription standpoint. But I, something that goes interesting in there about the buying the console side, to your point of it depends on where it ends up, there's a lot of talk right now within Game Pass to begin with. My PC is making some noise. I hear that. That's very It's weird. been doing it all day, and I don't know why. Okay. But um, distractions. Anyway, the potential for Game Pass to come to TV via adequate streaming, there's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts here. But if, if Game, uh, what is it, xCloud? Yeah. If xCloud, which apparently works really well, continues to work really well and get further refined and then release on TVs through smart TVs as apps, you don't need to buy an Xbox anymore. And I think that honestly goes to show you what I've been trying to like reason with all along with these, with, with people who don't, who don't think that this is not going to be the way Microsoft goes. But I made a statement a couple months back of Xbox won't be about consoles. This come next generation, the next generation that comes out, what will be the PS sixes generation that I would be hard-pressed to say if Xbox even has a console. I think that by then, they, they will solely be about a subscription service, and it will be about what other consoles will or will not support them, and it'll be about where else you can uh, uh, you know get those games. Somebody brought up in our Discord, uh, Blake, who we do know is like a... Is, is, I don't want to say Xbox fanboy because he does love everything, but he always does tend to lean more for Xbox, which is fine, obviously. But he says... Not if that includes TVs at some point. If Games Pass comes to Roku, I'll never buy an Xbox again. And why would you? Because Roku TVs can have hardwired internet, so you're going to have fast internet for the streaming, and it's it's less space. Like you don't have to worry about there being a console on that desk or on your entertainment system. And I honestly think that this is the first step into seeing this kind of transformation happen with them about. You know, like what I said before, this this generation are all about being the most powerful console. Next generation, they're going to be boasting that they don't have a console. Yeah, and I think the big thing you look at right now, too, is that we see two other people technically doing this same thing. A different market choice, like different way of actually doing this business. But regardless of the fact that they're not really heavily supporting it anymore, Google and their um, Stadia. Stadia is an example of not having to have a console in order to do this. Amazon with their Luna or whatever it's called. I think Luna's right. That sounds correct. But Amazon's streaming service as well for games that's out. It goes to show that there's a big move towards people existing in the game space as more of a, we don't have to give you a box in your house, which right now we're in that in-between stage, right? Where you do have to have a box because it's got to be like a Chromecast or an Amazon's case. I'm sure it's some kind of echo or something that connects to your TV. I would love it. I could be wrong on Amazon because I don't know enough about it they and have, I don't think it's out of beta yet. Well, they have the fire TVs, but fire TV. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. They, so Toshiba they have a stick It's now owned by them or whatever, but that's also a small thing. So this is the step towards getting to not needing anything and just being able to be an app on a TV right now. Because TVs don't tend to have the connections for a controller, you almost have to have something. Even if it just ends up being in the long run that all you have to buy is essentially a Bluetooth adapter so that you can Bluetooth or something to your TV, 
there is a clear goal from a number of different companies to get you to where all you're doing is using your TV. Well, and, and not in that too. Like that's, I think that that's where this is going to become the thing is that you're going to maybe even see Microsoft make a TV that can have Games Pass built in before before it comes, or they'll partner with a company like Amazon did with Toshiba to put Fire Stick into TVs first. I can uh, see that from a manufacturer. So maybe Microsoft will partner with Vizio. We'll just say a random name, and like those those TVs as they come out, they are the first ones to have Games Pass on TV. Yeah, and but, I could see Microsoft doing that because it's like to get the market going, you've sometimes got to get into a market you otherwise wouldn't. Right, and then eventually there'll be you know um, X Cloud sticks that you can plug in your TV or something like that that works, or there'll be an app you can download from yeah. the App Store. Yeah, the ideal situation would just be for which you know that's the problem with smart TVs is different. OS is like different platforms you have to build for. But if it gets to a point where they can be like, okay, um, the X cloud, which is essentially games pass app at that point, right. X cloud app is now available for LG smart TVs right. and, and, and their thing. All right. Uh, now it's available for Roku TVs. Okay, great. Now it's available for this other offshoot, you know, Samsung's, uh, OS that they use. Now it's available for Android TV and keep going down the, the line. It'd be an easy way to do that. Now, there's a number of things I don't think make that easy, and I don't think that that's something that's like, oh, we're a year from that. No. I think that there's a lot of challenges to streaming tech still and internet data caps in America and a number of different things. But if we're looking at this specifically from the standpoint of if you're only, and I don't mean this about if you're only looking at like, okay, I'm going to play like four or five Xbox games a year. The TV and streaming is probably going to be an adequate enough way to do it. Whereas I think a lot of hardcore, ga- a lot of more core gamers will be like we are, and still there's a benefit to doing the majority of your gaming on a local box because of n- avoiding the, the few issues you may be okay with putting up with just to play four or five games a year, or the ones that you be a lag you are or whatever. A, yeah, core gamer, you understand the way that input lag works and normal exactly. lag and stuff like that. So you're more likely more prone to see it than exactly. somebody who's not. And a good example here is, right, is like, say that specifically for this, you just want to play Elder Scrolls 6. Mm-hmm. Elder Scrolls 6 is probably going to be fine with whatever level of input lag because it's not like a first-person shooter or a high-action game. So it you works. So. Yeah. Now, you, of course, you can look. I mean, Halo is going to be, of course, an example of Xbox game where it's like it almost is probably going to unless some big change in how input lag works like Google were talking about where they can predict what you're going to do so they can try and send it early and improve your latency because of that. Yeah. Unless something big happens in that regard, games like Halo are still always going to be best on an actual device because you need that kind of quick snap processing and low input lag. And I think that's where Games Pass comes into a um, you know, potentially becoming a PlayStation thing. Imagine playing Halo on PlayStation through Games Pass. You won't have to worry about the lag, the input lag or anything like that. But also, there is something that is interesting that Microsoft could do. They could borrow a play in these weird new, or I said new, they're not really new, but they're being refined lately in a very interesting way, and they're called Nextbooks. Have you ever heard of those? It's a laptop shell that has oh. no components in it, and it's powered by your phone. Yep. And you essentially turn your phone into a laptop. I can almost imagine them making it an xCloud machine that is specifically dedicated to having the best throughput so that when you do stream on it, you, you it is almost like playing a console, but it is not the price of a console because it's essentially just like a box for your streaming device. Um, 
where people who have stuff like those, I've always said before, like there are those PC streaming services, like you can sign up, they'll send you a box and you connect to it, to your PC and to your internet. And it uses that box there to connect to a server close to you that you can then stream PC games at like 4k and stuff like that. Be something like that, a, a middle ground. Yeah. Because, and this, and this all, especially stuff with the TVs and stuff, this all I expect to see 100% better by the end of this generation. Agreed. Six of. years from now is what we're talking, folks. We're not yeah. talking two years from now or a year from now. Um, Liam says, if I could have Games Pass on PlayStation and still get trophies, he'd be happy, which would be an interesting conversation to have. Would you get achievements or would you get trophies? Or would you get both? That would be the best of both worlds, especially for Liam. Yeah, imagine being on Platinum Witcher three five different times in five different uh, like countries, but then having ten of them technically because it was on Xbox and PlayStation. Yeah, you know the, the big question there comes to the point of if Games Pass comes to PlayStation, does it come where the games actually play natively on the machine, or is it just XCloud basically comes to PlayStation? Is it essentially the streaming side of PS Now, so that they don't have to actually sit there and develop their games for PlayStation? The consoles are similar enough. Yeah, but even then, you're putting extra money in when all you have to do is ah, send them to a virtual environment. Yeah, and we'll and just stream the game. I, that's that's the interesting part. Do we, you know, in the long run, what do we see? People were clearly upset that PlayStation Now could only be streamed, so that doesn't seem like that's the way that you'd want to go. But maybe that's because of where internet was at the time. Maybe by the time this happens, internet's better. But let's run over to Facebook real quick. We got a lot of responses. By we the did. Way, so thank you guys. Kyle Grimm, one of our patrons, says the loss of some games to Xbox impacts me only because for some games I will now have to play on the PC instead of PlayStation, and it's not the same for me. Don't think I want to invest in an Xbox. To be honest, I'm happy with leaving Xbox in the past and whatever i had for the 360 to play once in a while is fine with me and i think that's reasonable and i even then i think that that microsoft understands that you don't need to invest in the box because they're making your money if you're on game pass even if you're playing on pc so you know the only outright loss that xbox experiences in this particular situation is if you just refuse to play on pc or buy an xbox yeah which there will be people that do and I've said this uh, for a lot now, so I might be repeating myself for those that listen, but if you're new, the trifecta, a, a gaming PC, which is hard to do right now in this in this day and age with <laughs> yeah. mining and stuff, but a gaming PC that is capable enough to play games, um, a PS5 slash a PS4 Pro, and a Switch. That's, like, that's all you need right then and there, and you are set. Um you're done. Like that's that's that that you have every single game you could ever want at, at your own disposal for the most part. Trying to do enough shaking up between these. I'm going to grab a couple from Facebook. Since I'll hit we, I'll hit one on Discord real quick. Yeah, I mean, go on ahead. Discord, Twitter. Um, go ahead. Our good buddy Shadow. He says it doesn't impact me, but for one, I want to see Xbox have a win. Let's face it, the whole Xbox One generation was destroyed by PlayStation. So if they release Elder Scrolls Six and Fallout Five, that's big. Who knows? He might jump ship. And, you know, you, I think that's what Microsoft wants is, um, like, without a doubt, we have a ton of people here that say they don't play Elder Scrolls games. Um, our good buddy Ryan says he hasn't played a Bethesda game from Skyrim on PS3. And Josh Ayers on uh, Discord says he hasn't played or he doesn't play dis- a Bethesda games. Because of Skyrim, PS3. And- yeah. Multitude and, of broken games in a lot of ways, but there are people that have played these games for thousands and thousands of hours across all the different iterations that they've been released since they've been released. And honestly, it's big. Like it's 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 big. And I think that uh, just how uh, Shadow here demonstrated is like there's a lot of people that are going to have this thought process. And honestly, for me, it's it's kind of curious of like, man, 
I do want to play Elder Scrolls. I want to play it, though, at a higher resolution and frame rate than what my PC will be able to play it. I know. Because my PC cannot push that game at 4K60 if that's what the Series X is going to shoot for. And so that's, that, that's, like, that's my big thing right there. It's like I'm going to end up having to get a Series X for this and Starfield and whatever Fallout game comes out if it's better than 4 or looks better than 4. But then you have other games like um, uh, 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 Unnerved. No. Avowed, which is like, it's a spiritual successor to like Obsidian's Fallout, but almost set in Elder Scrolls Universe, and it looks fantastic. And I think that, you know, this kind of goes into like, there are people that I think will jump ship. There are people that are not going to want to care for playing PC, or they just outright don't want to upgrade their PC, especially right now, because they can't. So that kind of makes the trifecta thing I talked about hard. But at the same time, Elder Scrolls, Elder Scrolls 6 could come out this November. And it's like you better have an Xbox by then. Like, yeah. Now, of course, were, I don't think it is, but no, it, but the point stands. Could. Yeah. But who knows though? Let's let's use Starfield. I mean, Starfield's less of a known quantity, but people are clearly excited for it. And up until now, it's always been the idea that it was going to be on everything. So what happens now? If you were excited about Starfield, and if they show it, and you continue to be excited about it, and then suddenly we do learn, oh, this is one of the games that's going to be exclusive. It's. Buy a PC if you don't already have one. Upgrade your PC if you can and you already have one that's not capable enough. Or buy an Xbox. You, I mean, or potentially if it's like that, that game will be playable on phone or something through xCloud. Not that that's the ideal way to play it, but the the chance stands that you can play it wherever you want. Or in the future, there <laughs> xCloud may be on TVs like we're talking exactly. about. Exactly. So you have time and these things are going to go. This one's pretty interesting to me right here because there's a lot of interesting sentiment where people are kind of opening up about how they feel about Bethesda, which has been going for anyway, but I think it, it's bigger impact now about why this does or just absolutely doesn't affect you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dylan Kirby, uh, former patron. Um, he's, he says, nah, I'd, uh, ID IP being exclusive to Microsoft consoles is a bummer, but almost everything Bethesda game, uh, BSG, I think he meant BGS, Bethesda game studios has developed, has been lousy. Even with the studios under the Zenimax umbrella, the games are unimpressive at best from my hypercritical point of view. Nothing seems to be original with them. He continues dishonored and prey are love letters to immersive Sims from looking glass games while being a little too on the nose. That is absolutely true. That's also part of why I love them. But anybody who doesn't know, I think Arcane's made up of former Looking Glass members. Yeah, they are, I think. Um, and that is what makes those games so fun. It's like the OG Thief games and whatnot, and they're mm -hmm. really fun. But for me, for me, uh, he says they used Garrett's voice actor for Corvo. He says FCOL. What does that mean? I think it might have been a because of he says, sorry for bad punctuation, character counts a bad word. But I'd, For crying out loud. Okay, gotcha. The Evil Within feels like double a resident evil and of course that makes sense shinji mikami is behind it and anything else is so forgettable that i can't even conjure inserts insults to hurl um that's some powerful words now here's the thing clearly there's a mix bethesda's been successful a multitude of times but the weird thing about all of this is that at the end of the day, all companies have expectations. And when those expectations aren't met often enough, they start looking at what they're going to do. Bioware. There is a situation here where, and I think this is something pretty similar to what Jeff Grubbs has said. Um, it's been a while, so I don't really know. But the basic idea for me is that if... Microsoft did not intervene. And this is to Dylan's point to a degree. Not necessarily that the games are bad. You may love them, but it's about the overall 
how do people feel about them? A lot of games, even ones I love, underperformed massively to Bethesda's expectations. And when that happens again and again and again, eventually studios start hitting the chopping block because it is a business. And I think without Microsoft's intervention, a studio like Arcane, if Deathloop failed, Deathloop could still fail. If Deathloop fails, just like Dishonored 2 did, just like Dishonored Death of the Outsider did, which was more of a them just being nice and wrapping up the series in some form. Right. They didn't really have to do that. I'm glad they did. But And then Prey underperforming. When you look at every bit of that, and then suddenly Deathloop underperforms, Arcane's gone. But under Microsoft and this new lease on life they're kind of doing, this buys those studios more time. So... To some degree, there's reason to look at and say the Wolfenstein 2, which I actually really enjoyed. I didn't like the first one. Uh, Wolfenstein 2 massively underperformed. What would have happened eventually? It doesn't seem like Machine Games is going to get the block yet because of Indiana Jones. And they were at least going to get another chance. But eventually, those studios get hit. So to some degree, Bethesda's quality and how likely it was these studios were going to stay was always in question to begin with. If you like those games them being bought by Microsoft might be the best thing for you because the chances that Microsoft, because of PR and trying to get people to move to Game Pass for whatever reason, they have more reason to be like, you know what, let's risk it and make Dishonored 3 so long as that's what Arcane wants to do. Let's roll those dice again. We can afford a little bit more. You know, this is a move and we're trying to get people in on. Let's make a follow-up to a game that wasn't very successful just to see. And you can bring in some fans that way and get a lot of good PR out of it as long as you know what your cost of you know your cost risk factor is. It's just it's interesting to look at all that as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I think he he honestly is is uh, pretty correct in everything he says about like some games being more lousy than others and stuff like that, or well, some games just being lousy. When well, I would agree and say that some games are more lousier than others. But um, I think what Bethesda has as the gold standard now is that they have Doom which is has the massive cult following and it is you know you ask anybody who likes first person shooters if they play doom and if they like it and you're likely to get a resounding yes but then you have elder scrolls and fallout and where those games excel in sure they have bugs and stuff like that but there is not another game on the market and if there is let me know that you could switch between first and third person make your own character and have an immersive rpg that you can span across years upon years upon years like it has and thrived. Yeah. I I would fi- find me a substitute for that and I would check it out because I don't know of something like that. Um especially with an active modding community that these games that both Fallout and Skyrim slash Elder Scrolls has. Yeah. People are still making mods for Oblivion. Yeah. And that's a that's a twenty or not twenty, that's a fifteen year old game now. Yeah, that sounds right. But um now yeah, it's crazy. I want to do two more unless there's just another one that you got. I want to do two more because they kind of con- contrast each other to a degree. Okay. Before I say that, I want to say one thing. One of the biggest benefits from this, just thinking that Microsoft really benefits from, is that if there was ever something that was going to dislodge something that I don't even think is true anymore, but there is still a perception, regardless of whether it's true, that Microsoft is all shooter games and racing games. Uh, that was the, their perception throughout the majority of the 360 era, which I also think was also a more true. Like if you looked at the catalog, it really was primarily shooters and that. I think throughout the Xbox One generation, they've done a lot to stop that, but the perception is still that that's what they do. How do you quickly turn that around? Almost every studio they bought is making something that's not a shooter. Yeah. And how qu- how quickly does does it become that? Oh, 
now Xbox is not just the shooter and racing game company. When the Fable reboot comes out, and then Skyrim comes out, and then some other odd Bethesda-style game they choose to do, Starfield, now they start being, oh, well, they're the place where you can play cool RPGs. Because suddenly now they have Avowed, Skyrim, Fallout, Starfield, potentially all-exclusive, all big RPGs, and then whatever else they choose to do. I mean, you... Avowed yeah. coming into play. There's so much right there that in one fell swoop, whether or not it was already false, it's so much easier to clean up their perception now. They can't, If someone, after they start putting games out through this, if someone looks at me three years from now and says Xbox is just shooters and racers, it's going to be hard not to be like, They have Dude. more RPGs than racers. Yeah, it's like, you come on. You can always say racers because Horizon, both Horizon and uh, Forza, and then Forza Horizon. There's two there. Yeah. And then you have... Like all those RPGs you just named, are like they they have, yeah. you know, with this purchase, they have potential. Now it's whether to see what we what they do with potential. That's yeah. the that's the key factor there. Now two right here. If you're okay with ending on these two, yeah, then they're interesting. Uh, Josh Farmier says, "Yep, I refuse to buy another system just to play two or three games. In the end, this just hurts gamers. A once third party company with very popular games are now owned by Microsoft. It's BS." Now. Contrast that with one of our patrons, Richard Schaefer. He says, with Deathloop, which isn't necessarily a Bethesda game since they are just a publisher and it's coming to PS5, at this point, no. It's been a while since a Bethesda game has piqued my interest. I'm actually glad this happened. In a way, it may force Sony into an acquisition, and I think there are better partners out there than ZeniMax Bethesda anyway. Competition's always good. Now, part of the reason I say I chose those two is that in one case, it's someone saying that and I think to a somewhat fair degree, in the end run of this, taking somebody who was once a third-party publisher with big games that have always been on pretty much all the systems is an interesting move that does impact a lot of people. But yeah. the interesting flip side of that is someone coming in and saying that they think Sony should do the exact same thing, and they're viewing it in a positive light. So I think that there's a big point here to make where it is very common knowledge to know that exclusives in itself, whether it is characters, games, whatever it is, to the consumer is not a good deal. Most of the time, consumers uh, cannot or, or are not fortunate enough to be able to afford all the big consoles that come out. They have to pick one. So that when a game like Elder Scrolls gets taken off of PlayStation and put on Xbox and they bought a PlayStation, they're automatically screwed over because a game they played on their PlayStation 4 is now you know, not coming. The sequel to that game is not coming on their PlayStation 5. And they may have even played it on PS3 too with how they did Skyrim. But there's a rabbit hole there that I'm not going to get into because you could have endless amounts of conversation on it on if it is negative consumer, but if the, the competition that that exclusive creates is better for the company that would then work harder to do something like make a new acquisition that would eventually become pro-consumer. There's a big rabbit hole there that I, that I don't think that's, that, that's too much to discuss in one episode for it alone, but Exclusives. This is basically in, the main topic, by the way. That's yeah, what it is. <laughs> but uh, exclusives in its own self is like what, like I said, whether you know whatever it may be, exclusives come down to being negative. They're not pro consumer at all. They're negative consumer. But the competition that is created when other companies strive to try to gain the exclusives to compete, we do, it, it's a conversation to be had that it, is that a positive there? Is there going to be eventually, does it eventually kind of karma its way into working out for the consumers? And I think honestly, you see that with PlayStation. 
you can't call this anti-consumer without saying that what they did with Spider-Man and the Avengers, Crystal Dynamics Avengers, is not anti-consumer. You can't do that. That's that's you. That's the the highest form of hypocrisy. But what you can do is flip it, and you can say, "Well, hey, you know, Spider-Man was an exclusive character to the Avengers. Maybe that is what Mar- what made Microsoft be like. We need more company acquisitions, and then that maybe what about this? Yeah, and, and see, in terms for you, yeah." You may say, well, that's bad because now you can't play Elder Scrolls, but the people on Xbox who have it now have something that they can feel more comfortable behind a console. And, you know, the same way people touted Spider-Man, they can tout Elder Scrolls, and it's an even exchange. And I think that that's, once again, goes in this big old looping rabbit hole, a death looping, if you will. <laughs> now, see, I'm glad that you said that at the end because as soon as you started talking about the idea of something swinging back around – I've already said enough times about my stance on, I think that, yeah, anytime that you look at something, if you just look at base things and you say, you know, anti-consumer just means that it's something that cuts off a, a, a section of consumers and then a pro-consumer move is something that includes the largest section of commu- of consumers as possible, then fine. But the slip nut pants, yeah. <laughs> I saw that so many times, but it's funny. Anyway, um, the idea, you know how I feel about it. I think that the whole anti and pro-consumer thing, it, it, at the end of the day, it's businesses making moves that make sense for the businesses and then the consumers that actually benefit to that business as weird as it sound these are moves that a company should make if it's trying to please its consumers the biggest thing you can do as a company is go what can we do to make our customers more happy and if that is something as big as taking something away from someone else but to the great benefit of your consumers that's a sensible move as much as as much as i agree that it's easy to look at and go man that's kind of bs i did play this game on here but something that you said that kind of makes sense yeah you can look and say skyrim is always our elder scrolls games have always been on playstation which also is not true because morrowind was not on playstation yeah. but let's just exactly. for the, for the sake of let's just saying since PS3, for so for a long time now, all of Bethesda's games, be it Fallout, another huge franchise, or Elder Scrolls, have been on every console they they can run on, and we know that because Skyrim's even on Switch. So yeah. when you keep going that way, suddenly being like, but now I can't play it because of this is BS. Well, the similar argument that I agreed with at the time too, in terms of the fact that it's true what it is, is that Spider Man. Whenever the game itself, not even the Marvel character, the game of Spider-Man itself was being made exclusively, people felt like it was a universally able to be seen and purchased because it was in a completely different industry. It's like everyone knows Spider-Man, and it's a world quantity that's never been tied to PlayStation until now, and now is exclusively behind it. Well, that's because Sony was trying to make the move to make their customers happy. Like, what can we do? How can we leverage right. something? And then, because of that, exactly what I was saying, those kind of moves and how well Sony handled first-party games this a past generation of PS4 is exactly responsible. PlayStation created the monster that, that Microsoft just became if you want to consider them a monster exactly that's and then it. it's going to happen again because now microsoft really creating stiff competition against sony is only going to push sony further hopefully to continue to do things to make their side more beneficial to our to us as their users like perhaps buying square enix yeah not, not that i think that that's going to happen I, I don't either but, but yeah, yeah i think if anything here you know, to like to Richard's point, yeah, they could look at an acquisition, but I also think Sony could also just be smart with their money and say, why buy Square Enix if we can just essentially leverage our position with them and throw a lot of money in their face and not run the 
Because it, it, the same thing happens, right? Does it matter if they own Square Enix if every Square Enix game ends up being PlayStation exclusive? Even if it comes to PC, you can't play it on Xbox console. It, that's not that different. No. And Sony doesn't have to go through buying an entire catalog, which it seems like what Sony's more wanting to do. But depending on how big this actually impacts Sony as a business and how big this move works out in Microsoft's favor, Sony may change their tune and decide they want to buy a third-party publisher. Yeah, and I which, think... There's problems with monopolization there where I'd never like the idea of too many companies, which I know it's not technically a monopoly, but the closer you get to monopoly, I think the worse it is. It the is. The more things that are owned by a lesser number of companies, the worse off everything becomes, right. in my but opinion. Luckily with gaming, there's a million, there's an infinite, uh, there's an infinite amount of game dev studios. Um, but every single one of them can get that Tencent money. That's true. And that's, <laughs> that's almost worse than being bought out by Microsoft. No, it is worse. But, um, but yeah, like I, I think that's important to, to understand is that there's a rabbit hole here and there is an ever-evolving constant swing door fight where one company will make an anti-consumer move, but the other company will take credence of that and say, I'm going to strive to be a better company and they're going to make their own anti-consumer mo- uh, move because they're companies. They want your money. They And that how gaming thrives is exclusives. And while the peak of that may not be uh, the pros consumer thing in the world. I think that because of that, it does work out for everybody. And I think it just works out for everybody as long as you don't have such extreme biasisms. And I think that that's, that's why I said it's important to, to, to consider like a PC or an Xbox, like have everything. If you can, if yeah. it is in your means to do so, I wouldn't align yourself and just, we're a PlayStation podcast. I still have a switch. I mentioned playing Pokemon. I'm not going to say, yeah, that's a kid thing. And then go home and play, you know, like, <laughs> Hollow Knight on PS4 or something now, or PS5. To your point, and I think this is the last thing I'm going to say about yeah. it. I just think it's funny. To your point, even being pro-consumer can be a long play to eventually be anti-consumer. Yeah. All, here's all it comes down and that's, to. And that's typical. A company, every company does. My, the only reason Microsoft was so pro-consumer last generation is because they knew it bought them good points with gamers so that they could eventually make a move like this. Which, yeah. if you really want to be honest, again, not that I care, but if you want to put legit definitions to it yes buying bethesda out is as a whole for consumer base anti-consumer it's pro-consumer for xbox consumers it's pro as hell for xbox consumers yes and that's what it comes down to just like spider-man being exclusive to playstation is pro playstation consumer it all just depends on your your views and like where they're and like where they're at and what you know that's kind of where it is Interesting. We're going to head off into the rest of the news. Oh, delete this big old joint text up here. Go for it. I don't care. Novel. I don't care. <laughs> Go for it. All right. Next thing up, Ninja Turtles are back in a new beat-em-up game developed by Tribute Games. The game pulls from the classic 80s rendition of the characters, so if you love those, go check out the new trailer for it. It lets you team up with up to three other players, kind of Double Dragon slash Streets of Rage style, and... Um, it looks pretty good. I actually really like the art style. I'm not a big beat 'em up fan, so I probably won't end up playing it, but I'm glad that it's coming. Uh, no release date was given, but it is listed as coming soon. So who knows? We may be getting it sooner than we think. Uh, Crisis Remastered received a new NVIDIA DLSS patch, which offered radical performance gains for the game on PC. According to the team, a console patch is coming very soon, which could offer optimization for PS4, Xbox One, but potentially also be better support for PS5, Xbox Series X. Or, there's no word on this, but it'd be really great if along the line we get an announcement of a specific PS5, Series X dedicated version. I wonder, Um, can can DLSS come to console? Absolutely, it can. Well, okay. it wouldn't be D. Okay, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be DLSS because that's an NVIDIA thing, right? But 
you could run the AMD version of it. And for those that don't know, that's deep learned super sampling. That is essentially an AI that is using super sampling depending on the game. To essentially try and smooth over and make things. It, it, it one works. of the big things that DLSS works on is hair. And it works really well on Cyberpunk on PC. Yes, it does. Very well. Yeah, it's a, and uh, another game that really saw big benefits from it is uh, Death Stranding on PC. Yeah, yeah. The which I already think I was so blown away by how good hair looked on Death Stranding on PS4. Holy crap, it looks great on PC. It, it, dude, uh, Fragile's hair on that is it's crazy, ridiculous. Yeah. So it would be cool to see again. It would have to be AMD's take on it. Which right now I can't remember if AMD has a DLSS competitor. I, I know that they're talking about working on one. I don't think they have. But I'm a little currently. less. I'm, I'm out of the PC game as much as I used to be. So Cur- don't quote me on any of that. Currently, I don't think they do. But if they ha- if they happen to have come out with one uh, as this episode come out, or if there's new one, I'm not aware of. Let me know. Well, well, like a good example is is that like there's never been an AMD specific actually thing called to rival uh, HairWorks by NVIDIA, but clearly hair rendering and strand physics based systems exist in AMD stuff. It just doesn't have a name. So sometimes that's what it comes down to. Um, it's, it's just, they find their own way to make it work and run and, and go about their business. Or Nvidia so, takes that pr- an approach of like it being an option you can toggle. Yes. So it's just, it's one of those things, but we've seen it now. Of course the Nvidia version is probably better, but it doesn't mean that some version can't come. Now, one of the things that's exciting to me about this is that if anybody remembers, um, ray tracing is one of the big support features for PlayStation five. Like, Oh, games can be ray traced. Um, crazily enough, crisis remastered on PS4 pro actually has ray tracing in it. On a PS4 Pro game. Is it real ray tracing? Yes, but it's instead of it being dedicated and going off, I'm trying to remember how it runs. Um, I, I can't remember if it's GPU bound or if it's CPU based. Um, I don't remember. But, oh, but yes, it, it does work. Now, partially the reason that is is that Crisis is an old game, which means it has overhead to be able to work these things in. Um, and it's surprising. And then, but even then, like ray tracing on Minecraft. You, you should go check out the Digital Foundry videos. It's actually impressive for what a for what eight-year-old console tech can do with it ray tracing. It definitely doesn't run ray tracing in 60, does it? No. Okay. So you know Spider-Man? Did you play Spider-Man Miles Morales with that patch? No, I've never, I haven't gone back and played it since they've done the 1080p 60. No, well, no, they did a, um, a ray with, with ray tracing. It's yeah, I mean. ray tracing. I played the game. It's in- still it's still interpolated though. It's not 1080p. Well, it's not 1080p. It's it's 60 frames per second ray tracing temporal. Well, I mean, but temp- temporal upscaling from from what is it not running in a native 1080p? I think, I think it's temporal 4K. Like it looks good. Is that definitely? Well, 1080p 60 looks good, so I'm not surprised. I mean, 4K does look better, but. Yeah, that whole world of ray tracing and consoles is all interesting. I would love to see a PS5 version of this that brings the ray tracing and maybe even at 60 frames per second. That would be sick for Crisis. A game like Spider-Man is far more impressive that they're running ray tracing at 1080p, uh, 60 frames per second, because of the fact that it's a much bigger game with a different scale. See, all it says is it adjusts the scene resolution, actually. I'm, th- that, I'm confusing That makes the two. total sense. Yeah, That's what it was on 1080p 60 already. It was a variable resolution. Okay. See, and I am... Uh, it wasn't really 1080p 60. It was just I'm lower con- resolution. I'm confusing the performance mode, which is just 1080. temporal 4K 60 frames per second. Yeah. It's all upscaling. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, 
I was really impressed by Spider-Man, and I, th- to me, there's a lot of questions about how Ratchet and Clank is going to be supported on PS5, because the fact that they went above and beyond to not only have a 1080p, or whatever you want to call it, 60 version, uh, a lower resolution 60 frames per second version at launch, but then go even further to go back and tweak that even further to where you can have ray tracing in that, it's wild. Yeah. And I really hope that, that means that there's a version of Ratchet and Clank that can run at whatever resolution it can hit 60 frames per second with ray tracing. That it, would be amazing. It looks waddle ray tracing too. Yeah. So uh, the game with ray tracing in, in 4K 30 was already awesome. Yeah. But being able to do that in 60, yeah. I, I will say, I think this is a generation that's finally going to really mess with me on being a, a 30 versus 60. It's not to the point where if I play a 30 frames per second game, I'm like, ugh. But if you transition from a 60 but to a 30. But if you're in a game and you go from 30 to 60 it, within the same game, it's like, ooh. Even if you just play a 60 frames per second game for so long, you go to a 30 and you're like, oof. I it depends on the more. game. It does. But yeah. Because I couldn't play Bug Snacks after Demon's Souls. I still don't understand why that game's not in 60 frames per second. I mean, me either, but that's also a pretty small development studio. I know, but still. <laughs> uh, PlayStation, send Ice Team over. Get them to hyper optimize that game. Yeah, do it. Um, Anyway, let's see. Next thing up, Dying Light 2 news is finally coming as the developer has posted to Twitter that a dev update is happening March 17th. I don't hope that this is what happens, but how funny would it be if on March 17th they're like, the development update is that the game is canceled? (laughs) Hit up with the old anthem. Yeah. Hit him with the old anthem, which, which gonna, we'll get we'll get which to I'm that. Bring up that here in a second yep. again. Yeah, me too. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei Three Nocturne HD Remastered, which is a long name, but you know, has been rated by Peggy and ESRB for PS4 and Switch, which means that yes. announcement for the game should be coming soon, either Hopefully. with a release date because if it's already rated, it's coming soon. But we at least will probably get the game announced. My favorite SMT game. What's cool about this is that. I've had this thing in my head of like I was unsure if SMT was going to come to PlayStation because they've been buddying up with Switch so much lately and they well, Nintendo and 3DS. Um, they were doing it on 3DS and then they were doing it on uh, clearly moving it forward with Switch. Um, that's cool. Which is I crazy because those were PS2 in games. That. Yes, and PS1 I games. I think. Yeah. So it, it is weird, but Nocturne was the first one I played. Yeah, this is kind of like Monster Hunter finally coming home with Monster Hunter World on PlayStation Four after yeah. so long of it not being on anything else. So. Um, as Saul was talking about, survival game Rust is finally coming to consoles with Rust Console Edition with a release date set for spring 2021. It's not an exact, so it's more of a timing window. But go check that out. Like Saul said, we intend to play that. Uh, and if you guys want to hop in because of the type of game it is and play with us, that would be awesome. There's some things that we need to learn about how the console version is going to differ because console on, I mean, uh, Rust on PC has kind of got like an ever-present server to where you can play even when we're not on. And that means you can impact our world even when we're not on. Yeah, so like, uh, look so at the buddies. That makes playing with each other actually a little different because not only do we actually play with each other all simultaneously, but we can have impacts on each other's world and progress when we're not playing. You, so yeah, it's it's. If you guys want to create the triangle squared rust clan, where all we do is build and protect our thing from everyone else. That's great. If y'all want to be uh, backstabbers and come in and say you're doing one thing and backstab, that's uh, that's rust, baby. It is. <laughs> uh, I will say this. If you go watch the trailer for it, they show like people automatically fighting with rifles and stuff like that. Do not get that in your head. You're going to find a rifle like that early in the game. That is not how that game works. You'll be throwing spears and shooting a bow and arrow if you get lucky enough to find those on the first two or three days of playing. Yeah. That game is not as easy as it looks in the trailer. The game is hard. <laughs> 
Which is a survival game, I guess it's it supposed is. to. You know what's interesting about this last like year, year and a half, uh, really year, because The Forest was last year, is that I have gained a new appreciation for a number of genre, I guess, that I didn't have much interest for. Either I'd lost it and had had it at one point and lost it, or I've never heard of it and didn't really know if it was for me and then finally got it. Like I was so... I'm so enamored by Day of the Tentacle that, yeah. like, I'm immediately I'm I'm trying not to immediately jump in because I don't want to burn myself out. But I'm like, is Full Throttle any good? Like, let's try Full Throttle. Is Grim Fandango any good? Let's try Grim Fandango. I never played Grim Fandango. I like Full Throttle though. So it's across the board on all those. Is it's it's opened up my eyes to that's something that I almost kind of am a little sad that that doesn't seem to exist anymore. Like, there's not a lot of adventure games. He, there's a there's a game that is coming out that kind of looks like it could be that, and I can't remember. Well, what it's he was for the Tim Schafer was at the Game Awards this past yes. year uh, as a presenter. I don't know Psychonauts, you know, two is coming still, right? Which is not an adventure game in that sense. No. It's not a point and click. And the only reason I say that is because of the nature of point and click and how they develop them. And I say that to me, it feels so out of the box because I've never experienced it. I'm sure people who play those are like, you know, as soon as they get in the game, they're looking at everything. How can this work with this, work with this, work with this? Like a small example of where I was at, um, it was cracking me up, is sending paint to the past so I could paint a tree red. Yeah. And I'm not going to say what happens from there or why you do it, but it took me so long to figure out. Uh, But I had a really good time with it, and I'm, I'm... Excited to do more. They actually have this point and click Titanic game I played on, back in the day on uh, Steam. Oh my god, <laughs> dude! Uh, this is some nostalgia right here. It had like the. Why the, does that look like Fallout? <laughs> like it, old Fallout. It had the uh, the very classical like real life people stand in characters. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy, that's rough. That's crazy. That's really cool, though. I love the idea of Steam letting games come back from the grave, like games that you'd almost had no had no way of finding. I don't know what you. I don't remember what it was called, but I wonder if you could find it on there. There was a game I used to play on PC when I was really young, where you were a deer hunting humans. Yeah, I remember that game. Does that still exist? Oh. Also, while we're talking about old PC games that are goat. Which I don't know if you're saying that that was a goat, but Roller Coaster Tycoon 2 is one of the best games ever made. Dear Avenger. And I love it. That sounds right. That's the one I know of, at least. Let me see. Because it was really ridiculous. They're not going to have Watch, it. it's going to be Dear Avenger doesn't exist on Steam. You failed me, Steam. It was, you know, we had a really crappy computer, so it ran at like 20 frames per second. But boy, if I didn't have a good time. Let me see. Uh, that deer, yeah. deer Avenger open season. Yep. It's literally it's literally a deer hunting game, but instead of a like of a human behind the gun that's first person, it's the deer. Yeah. Man, dude, games are so ridiculously fun. Like uh, it's still true, but there was a point in time where I feel like in the 90s and early oh. 2000s, people were just any idea you could come up with. Man, there was a free make to, a game about it. A free to play uh PC game called War Rock. I wonder if that's still a game. It, here it is right here. That was like CS Go, but when it was CS Source. Oh yeah. Ah oh, man. Kill all humans. Yep. Yeah, dude. There's so many crazy games. It's ridiculous. Uh, no, you saying kill all humans? You mean destroy all humans with Alien? Yeah, gotcha. I actually think there's a game called Kill All Humans for some reason. When you first said it, it sounded familiar. But either way, 
Um, let's see. A couple more things here. Uh, this is where Saul's going to bring up Anthem, and I don't blame him. Despite a waning player base, Crystal Dynamics and Square Enix insist that they committed that they are committed, rather, to Marvel Avengers for, quote, years to come. This came during a developer stream that showcased the Hawkeye DLC that's coming, where viewers asked a few questions pertaining to the long-term support of the game. The next-gen versions of the game also launch next week alongside the Hawkeye DLC, so it'll have time to be seen as to whether the game gets the support the developers are intending or not, and uh, insert the obvious, oh, we're going to support this game, and then one year later, when nothing's happened, we're going to move all development resources from this game. What do you think, Saul? They could have added so many cool Avengers, they added uh, Hawkeye, which to me actually makes sense for the style of game it is. I was just about to say, I think that, that actually makes sense for the gameplay. Purpose. But they could have added so many more. Like, I, I'm ready. Like who? Like Spider-Man for I mean, everyone? Sp- like, they could have added Spider-Man for everyone. They could have done the I'm Fantastic kidding. Four. They could have done, because the way the Avengers in the comics work, like, there's been so many, like, ins and outs of the Avengers. Like, they could do a Dark Avengers and have Dakin as Wolverine like they did in the in the Dark Avengers. And sure, yeah. You had uh, Norman Osborn uh, slash uh, Iron Patriot as uh, Captain America and Iron Man. Yeah. And then uh, Hawkeye, or not Hawkeye, uh, what's the Daredevil bad guy? I can't think of his name. Deadshot? No. De- Bullseye. Deadeye. What is oh. It? Um, is it Bullseye? De- Deadshot? The bad guy? Yeah. Bullseye. Bullseye. Yeah, Bullseye, Bullseye, Bullseye was Hawkeye. You're right. Deadshot. Deadshot's someone else. Yeah, Deadshot, I'm pretty sure, is... Um... Hold on. Is Deadshot the one from DC? Yeah. I'm telling you, man. The fact that DC and Marvel have so many similar characters sometimes just murders right. me. But um, they could do so many cool things in that game. I'm just waiting on them to do so. All right, let's see here. Yeah, Deadshot is, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And he's in Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, Squad that's, yep. That's Will, Will Smith. I didn't watch the Suicide Squad movie, so I have I'm just saying, that's zero clue. Movie. But that, okay, I got you. Um, yeah, I don't know. To me, I'm not saying this reeks of that because, of course, this game did not have the marvelous you know time in the news as a as this terrible game i think this is just a game that again player base is waning interest now that could be renewed with a number of things of course um the next piece of news kind of brings us in square enix presents a new showcase announced by square to be happening on march 18th also announced with plans for what to expect viewers will get a look at the next life is strange game square enix montreal's new mobile games and updates on outriders marvel avengers balen wonder world and just cause mobile now this could be one of those things where what we see here from Marvel's Avengers is a game changer. That absolutely exists. And interest can renew, much like I think happens with Destiny, where interest wanes and then new DLC really roars the game back to life. Yeah. Of course that can happen. But I think right now, the game's numbers are really bad. They're very similar to what Anthem's are, uh, specifically on PC. And it doesn't look as much different on console. Now, that doesn't mean anything. The game's been out for quite a while. So maybe the next-gen patch will actually be enough to already be a refreshing interest in the game. But, I just had the coolest idea in the world. Let's There's it. something in the Avengers universe called the Secret War, which is where the Secret, scrolls yeah. took the shapes of all the Avengers and then yep. they like fought each other. Wouldn't it be so cool... After at least like them having eight or nine different Avengers that are playable, you can have a secret or multiplayer mode where you hop in and there's a scroll team and then there's the Avengers team and like you don't know who you're fighting and like it almost be like a like an objective based game like where you come across Spider Man but you don't know if he's the real one or if he's a scroll and you got to find out. And you got to talk with them or something like it'd be cool. It'd be a very different game than what that game currently is, but right. that would actually be a cool way to. 
uh, this is going to sound weird. I think this is the way these types of games actually make sense. Introduce different mechanics to yeah. the game. Because one of the big things that happens is that at, at some point in time, you still just get tired of Destiny again. Because even though they added something new, it's just new shooting. Right. And I think one of the great ways to really change something up, and I and as weird as it is to say this, Anthem actually did this. And Destiny did this at one point in time as well, but um, to a degree from what it was, where suddenly it's like, well, okay, now even though it's still shooting to a degree, the new mechanic that we're worried about is that you're going to be timed and have a bunch of different objectives that gives you scores. So now the version of the game is not just killing everything and surviving. Now the version of the game is how high of a score can you get so that there's a new mechanic that you account for that changes the dynamic of the game and makes it fun. This is exactly that kind of thing where you can bring in a game and you can make the game still play the same way, but now you can introduce talking mechanics where it, it'd be really interesting if you almost made it play the same way to a degree, but it was almost somewhat among us and you had to make decisions on the fly as to whether you actually wanted to attack somebody because you were unsure. And the, the penalty is that you can kill your own teammates, which only makes it quicker for you to lose. That would be really interesting. Yeah. Secret Invasion. I was wrong. Secret Invasion. Uh, uh, it's uh, funny that you call it Secret Wars because that's actually what I thought too. So what is Secret Wars? That's Se- Secret Wars is like a, a thing where they go to an alien planet and it's different. It's like uh, they're being told by a higher being to survive. Secret Invasion is when they have to fight each other because they don't know if they're scrolls or not. I got gotcha. you. Gotcha. Or, or like and scrolls are posing as like Thor being bad guys to the world. And like yes. people are like, why is Thor bad now? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, that wraps up everything. I mean, you know, we didn't talk about the rest of the Square Enix Presents thing in terms of the uh, the Life is Strange. New Life is Strange is interesting. I'm wondering if it's still going to be Don't Nod. I would assume so, but Don't Nod have been making a lot of games, and I don't know how many of them come out. They had that one that they did with Bandai Namco um, that I didn't get around to. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my dark Twin Mirror? Twin Mirror? Does that sound yeah, right? That is right, yeah. Uh, they I, had that one. Of it too. They did that game that they released with Xbox, and I think Xbox uh, published it, the Tell Me Why, I want to say is what it's called. No, that one I don't They've know. been doing a lot of this style of game. I have a feeling, I don't know. I don't know if it's that Don't Nod's just going to become this type of studio now, if they're going to have some burnout of that. I'd really love to see Don't Nod return back to making a game that's more like Vampire or Remember Me. Where, And I, I only say that, I, I want both. I like Life is Strange, and I like their takes on those games. They're good. I, I just also want to see them do non-episodic games, because I just think that's more interesting, and I've liked a lot of those games, too. It's more interesting than continuously only getting these episodic decision-based games. That's what I should say. Yeah, it's just more variety. Yeah, I do think Life is Strange is probably the best evolution of the kind of Telltale game style. And I think if with Telltale coming back, I hope that they take that opportunity to introduce more mechanics into their games than just really walking around and talking to each other, which is cool and it works. Captain Game did kind of cool, interesting, different job of that. Which one? I can't think of the full name of it, but Captain... Oh, the, the, the Life is Strange prequel, a prequel yeah. or two? Yeah. Captain, oh God. I can't think of the name of it. It was really, I, I didn't play it, but I watched a couple things of it and it looked really charming. Yes. No, and that kid is in Life is Strange too. It's kind of like a, it's a prequel event of that. It's really, yeah, that, it, it was cool. Huh. And, and Life is Strange in itself is, is fairly cool as well. Um, it is. But. So what do you think the community's take for this week is? Ooh. What do you expect out of Square Enix Presents? I don't know. I think it's be. I guess because Square Enix has kind of put all the cards on the table, which I think might have been the smartest idea. Or what would you have wanted? Well, no, I don't know. How about this? Your is favorite the, sandwich. Uh, let's let's go back and almost add an element to again. We don't have to do this, but what do you think about adding an element to the original discussion of going back to 
if this is a move from the Bethesda thing of Sony acquiring somebody else, who would you think would be the best fit for Sony to acquire? Who, who, let's make it a two-parter. Who is the next studio you would think is the best for Sony, and who is the next studio you, you want to see Sony acquire? So you got the best one business decision, and you got the best one in your opinion. Uh, also, you could answer these questions if you want to in the YouTube comments. You just throw out the answers there with that quote. Or you can follow us on Twitter at TriangleSQRD where we'll post these questions on Fridays and you can respond to the tweet and answer them there. Or you can join our Discord that's in the description below. We have a Communities Take discussion tab where you can hop in and talk with other people about your answers. And lastly, as always, you know where to find us on YouTube. If you don't, just search it. It's not that hard. <laughs> but yeah, we do have Patreon and it's patreon.com slash nartech where you guys can support us. And like Brad said earlier with all the rewards, you get cool rewards. You get to be... Uh, up in our Discord with different name colors. Wow, that's just the best thing in the world. Trust me, it's worth it. Um, and you get to hear your name read out at, at the end of every episode. So we're about to go eat some pizza. We hope you enjoy the rest of your week. It's Monday now. I hate it. Everybody does. But until next time. Thank you. I was waiting on There you go. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and we'll... I'm glad this was a shorter episode. And it worked out, but don't worry. It's not like we're going to do every it's episode being an hour shorter. 15. Yeah, it's 15 good. minutes shorter than we're normal. Well, we've been doing some two hours ones lately. Oh, we have. Bet, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. We're going to give a shout-out to our patrons. I'm not even going to lie. I already know I didn't update the thing, but I know who the two patrons are. It's Rob from Warp Point. Go check out Warp Go Point check Streaming. Out Warp Point, yeah. And Josh Drago, and then I need to put the rest... I need to put you two on there. The rest of them are accurate. Thank you, guys. Also, a shout-out to Kyle Grimm, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popes, Kevin Baconbits, Mark Schutz, Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean one Neo, Tyler Powers, El Tabib, Jason Clendenning, and lastly, Richard Schaefer. Thank you guys all so much.